0: I just love that song. The tune just it's one of those ones it'll it'll come back all week long and and uh and just uh one of those wonderful little songs and uh I Tell you a lot of these Christmas songs have some good doctrine in them. And uh some of them don't. <laughs> but uh, uh We'll just enjoy the ones that do and uh, enjoy the parts that do. We're going to start in Luke chapter 20. And again, we're going through the prophecies in the Bible that deal with the life of Christ. Uh, Hopefully, we're going to finish uh, the life of Christ, the prophecies that deal with His life today and uh, then... Uh, we'll be dealing with the death and the resurrection. There are entire chapters in the Bible of a prophetic nature that deal uh, with these very subjects. And it is absolutely incredible. I mean, people, well, I don't know why, people want to chop up the Bible and say, Well, you're, you're an Old Testament Christian or you're a New Testament no, Christian. Uh, we're Bible Christians, amen? We, we need the whole thing. If you do not have the whole Bible... Uh, yesterday, I had the uh, privilege of doing a chapel service at New England Baptist College in Southern Connecticut and uh, uh, was talking to some of the students there, had a class with them after uh, the chapel service and, and trying to help them grab a hold. Uh, one of my favorite little spiels I love to get, they said, Pastor, can you recommend a good book to help me understand the Bible? How many know where we're going? Yes, I do. I, I recommend the Bible. Uh, but Pastor, uh, we, we, you know, I, I know we have the Bible, but you have a good book, a commentary. You know, commentaries help you understand more about the Bible. Yes, you study the Bible. It's its own best commentary. But, but Pastor, what about the family and relationships? Yeah, uh, the best book I can recommend uh, is the Bible. And uh, But what do you do with all those books on your shelf? Um, well, they give my daughter something to do when she dusts the office. Amen? Uh, no, we use them occasionally. But where you got to be is you got to be in this book called the Bible. And um, we're going to just go through. We went through the prophecies about... How, you know, the, the, most, the thing that was most important to Jesus was honoring the Word of God. If you got one of those newfangled Bibles, they went through and they said, Whosoever's is angry with his brother is in danger of the judgment. Uh, did Jesus get angry? Well, you bet he did. He got angry when they desecrated the Word of God and the temple. He got very angry. The The Bible says, He that is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of the judgment. Now, why would the translators want to leave that without a cause out? I don't understand that. I, I'm not a scholar, but I'm scholarly, I understand enough uh, that there are times when it is right to be upset. And when someone trashes this book called the Bible, which is what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing through their many traditions and their different things that were going on, they had a right to be upset. In fact, where we're going to start tonight, Jesus again was... uh, uh, uh not, uh not in uh shall we say the most pleasant of mood he was he was uh giving a warning of uh the most stern uh verse 17 of Luke chapter 20 is in, in there and we're going to go ahead and and get verse 18 as well and he beheld them and said What is this then that is written, The stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Now, uh, you'll find that printed in Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people, right? Uh, Jesus was being incredibly blunt and straight in the face with the Pharisees. He just told them a story. He was quoting the verses that are here uh, in, in your outline, Psalm uh, 118 and verse 22. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. Uh, verse, Isaiah twenty eight sixteen. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone a sure foundation he that believeth shall not make haste Zechariah chapter 3 verse 9 for behold the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes behold I will engrave the graving thereof saith the Lord of hosts I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day now we read these verses and we say boy uh, you're just picking verses all out but they're talking about the stone. The cornerstone now you have to understand a little bit and and I want to move, but I, quickly, but I also want us to get this thing when we build a building today, we print up a set of blueprints, and they cover everything thing about the building, how thick the foundations are going to be, how deep they're going to be into the earth, what they're going to be settled on, uh, the materials that they're made of. I found the original contract agreement when, they, when the synagogue built this building in 1935. It was left here. Uh, it was like 35 or 40 pages typed on onion skin uh, with every bit of information on how to build this building the the amount of concrete that went into the mix that built versus the amount of sand and uh, gravel aggregates, what they call it. Uh, every detail was lined out. And what wasn't lined out was said, the builder will supply fixtures, da-da-da-da-da, according to our agreement. And so whatever wasn't specifically drawn out was... Uh, was going to be brought back and argued and fussed about until they got it all right. And, I mean, uh, this building is an incredible building. For 1935, they just did a really good job, but that's not where we're going tonight. But I promise you this. If we got out a uh, a laser, uh, uh, what do they call that? The surveyor's tools and, and shot a line, you're going to find that the walls in this building are crooked. There is not one straight wall in this building. You know why? Because people put it together. Now, the variance, don't get worried, okay? It's not big enough to to worry about the structure of the building. It wouldn't stand up if it were. But in those days, in the days of Jesus, they did not have blueprint machines They didn't have laser levels. They didn't have tape measures. They didn't have all the things that we do today. The way they built the building was the cornerstone was placed. And every measurement from the moment that the cornerstone was put down until the last brick was laid or stone was put in place or beam was put in for the structure of the building, every measurement was taken from the cornerstone. you imagine how tedious that would be? That's why we don't build that way today. Uh, but we, uh, believe it or not, there is less variance in the foundation in the building of the Great Pyramid of Giza than there is at the Empire State Building over here in Midtown. You see, they had something there. And Jesus was taking this picture. Actually, God did in his word through David and, the, and Isaiah and Zechariah and was saying, listen, I'm going to lay a chief cornerstone. He said, but the builders are going to reject that cornerstone. They don't want that one. They, they, want, a, they want a measurement of their own choosing. And this is one of the problems we have with religion today is everybody wants to take the truth and measure it to their own levels or their own set of standards. Could you imagine what would happen if you had five different contractors building a huge building here and each one brought their own set of standards? Uh, It's called disaster. It's called... uh, uh, You're going to have that building fall down. It's not going to work. Uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't bring this up or not, but what comes to mind right now is that dumb old song by Johnny, Tra- I mean Johnny Cash uh, about his Cadillac that he was going to steal from the factory one part at a time. And uh, does anybody, uh, nobody here listens to that stuff. It's, it's be- you're better off. I remember listening to it as a kid, but uh, he, he, he talked about having all the problems of putting a car together that was spread out over 15 different model years and uh, it, it was supposed to be one of those funny silly songs the kind that he liked to sing and uh, and uh, somebody one time I remember uh, tried to build a replica of, of the car that the song talked about it was the most ridiculous looking thing you ever saw but that's the way people approach God many times I don't like this part well you know that's outdated let's get a newer version here uh, we we don't need to do it the this you know uh we don't change our doctrine we're just going to change what we do. Well wait wait a minute wait a minute. Your your doctrine is what you do my friend. You can't separate those two things. Doctrine and practice are the same thing. You can look at them as two sides of the coin but if you don't have both sides of the coin uh just try to buy something with it and see what happens. Uh you You have to understand that all of these things work together. And God is saying here that the builders, the religious leaders, are going to refuse Jesus. And Jesus is quoting this passage to them. Now, that second verse there is... uh, I I didn't actually put that verse in your outline, but uh, we'll just touch on it. And it says, "...whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken." That means what he's talking about, I I, I printed out some other verses here, Isaiah chapter 8 verses 14 and 15 says, and he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel and a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Jesus said, listen, I'm that stone. By the way, if you want to know who the stone in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, uh, behold, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus was saying, I'm the rock, not Peter. I am the rock, and I am the one that the builders rejected, and... You're going to stumble. How many people have stumbled at the simple truth of Jesus Christ? How many people have stumbled? But if you'll get up and believe on Him, you can be saved. Amen. But if you refuse to believe who Jesus said He is, that rock who was now your salvation becomes your judge. And it says that upon whosoever that stone shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You're not going to stand against the rock of the ages. And by the way, in the book of Daniel, the prophet uh, uh, tells the story of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. How may remember the dream of Nebuchadnezzar's image in Daniel chapter 2, I think it is. And um, that's why you got to come to Sunday School is because we cover all the stories in Sunday School and and then we don't have to tell you the story again on Thursday night we can just keep moving but Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of the history of the world he had the head of gold the shoulders of silver the belly of brass the thighs of um, iron and and then the legs of uh, actually the legs of iron and then the toes of clay and iron and Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, then the Medo-Persian Empire, then the Greek Empire. The Roman Empire is pictured by the, by the iron. Uh, and of course, that was the, the tool and the weapon and the building block of the Roman Empire. And it was stronger than any of the other metals. Uh, by the way, the Empire, Roman Empire was divided for hundreds of years into east and west. Think God knew what was going on? No, you better believe he did. But at the end of that story, the next kingdom to come that has not come here is the kingdom of Antichrist. And the stone which is cut out of the mountain without hands, it says, all of a sudden, he said, this stone just comes flying and lands on the feet of the statue and turns the statue to powder. And the wind blows it away. And then that stone grows until it fills the whole earth. Now, could you imagine being Nebuchadnezzar and dreaming this dream of this beautiful statue and then the stone comes and crushes it and the wind blows the dust away and then this rock grows. I mean, he woke up and uh, he was having nightmares. And Daniel said, here's the meaning of your dream. The history of the world. The, king, the great kingdoms of the world. But the greatest kingdom is the rock made without hands who is going to crush the power of the kingdoms of this world and fill the world with his own kingdom. And Jesus was explaining to the scribes and Pharisees his power, his position, and who he was. He was warning them, you guys are going to be turned to powder. If you'll stumble, if you'll fall, Hey, listen, you have a chance to get up and believe on me, but if you don't, there is no hope for you guys. Now, some of the Pharisees did believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but many of them refused because they were holding too tightly to their tradition and their religion. These things were prophesied over a thousand years before Jesus was born. I like the next one. That is, some people would believe on Jesus. Amen. Isn't that isn't that a wonderful truth? Uh, John 6:45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me. Now there are many prophecies right here, and uh, and I'll, I'll tell you on the outset the the. Total fulfillment of these prophecies will not be until Jesus' kingdom is established here on earth with him at the head of it. But there is a, uh, shall we say, a secondary fulfillment or application of this prophecy in every individual that is willing to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a part in that. It says, in many people, for Isaiah 2, 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his path, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And uh, I, I always wonder at uh, the Lord's working in the history of our church and putting us in an old synagogue. You know, we're not afraid of the symbolism and the pictures because Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. He lived according to the Jewish laws. He died as God's great sacrifice, perfectly pictured in every tradition of the Old Testament. Without all of those Jewish laws and traditions, we would not understand anything about the character and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to have both. You can't just pull the New Testament out. I got a a letter today. Um, uh, Unbelievable. Um, It was from uh, the divine prophet Bud. And uh he took time. He he didn't send you one, Brother Gary, but uh he, he sent one to Brother Jose and uh he sent one to me and and I'm sure to many of these preachers and and uh, and he was called to be a prophet in nineteen eighty three. Uh but since he didn't know how to read and write, God sent him to prison for eight years so he can learn to read and write. Uh but he didn't talk about how righteous. I I don't think it was he was sent to prison for righteousness' sake. He didn't put that in the letter. I have a feeling that uh, Prophet Bud there was uh, involved in some things he shouldn't have been, and probably deserved to be in prison for about eight years. But uh, and, and he was writing this and and telling us that you know as a divine prophet he is higher than any human being, second only to God, and uh, and this is his message uh, that. Uh, 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 and and he kept referring to God as Allah the whole way through, but he wasn't Muslim. And um, uh, you know what you do with stuff like that? Uh, We call it file 13 or the garbage can. Uh, Sometimes you ought to shred it so nobody else picks it up and reads it. Uh, I mean, you just have all kinds of screwballs out there who will believe anything about themselves. And actually... He he invited me to Any, anyone reading this. What I want you to do is call me and, and tell me what you think of what you've read in my letters. And I said, you know, he's got to be just some lonely old guy living in San Francisco that has or San Diego has nothing better to do than to write this stuff down and try to get people to call him. So I'm I'm not going to call Pro- Prophet Bud. Uh, There are people out there who will believe anything, my friend. And if you have any questions, (laughs) uh, I'll show you Prophet Bud's papers, okay? (laughs) I mean, there uh, there are people who will believe anything. But God's Word is what we can trust. You cannot be saved without the words of this book now let's not get too excited there are actually some people out there that say if you don't show somebody how to get saved out of a King James Bible they're not saved uh, come on, give me a break uh, I believe in the King James Bible for English speaking people but if you don't speak English uh, you need to get a Bible in your language Amen. now some languages have good Bibles Uh, Some languages don't, and I'll I'll be honest with you. You can sit and argue your whole life about translations and about words and about different things. Where I get upset is where they start taking words out of the text and changing the meaning of the passage. That's pretty plain. That's why I only use this Bible in English, because I can show you places in the other versions where they take words out and change the entire meaning of the passage. And for some reason, the, the meaning of the changes always attack the deity of Christ, His virgin birth, the miracles, the blood atonement. I mean, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that don't talk about those things, and they never touch those verses. They only want to touch the ones, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That is the most destroyed verse in all of these translations. Why would you attack that verse? Unless you have something against the deity of God and Jesus Christ. That's that's what the issue is. The verses here say, Isaiah 54 says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Well, I'll tell you. You want peace for your kids? Give them the gospel, amen. How many of you adults wish you had the gospel when you were kids? Makes a whole difference, doesn't it? We were uh, sitting in a restaurant. It was funny. There was this uh, older gentleman, I guess he was in his, appeared to be in his early 70s or so, and, and uh, he just looked and started counting. He said, you have nine kids? No, actually, we left Peter at home. We have ten. He said, they're so good. I wanted to tell him, well, you don't see them all the time, but I didn't. And uh, he said, I can't wait to go home and tell my wife about this. And so I'm sitting here going, you know, but you teach your kids the Word of God, and they'll be different. things will be different in their lives. You okay? All right. Micah two And many nations shall come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us His ways, and we will walk in His path. For the law goeth forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. How many people over the years, over the centuries, have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ. We sing songs about Calvary, a hill outside the city of Jerusalem upon which Jesus was crucified. That's where our history comes from. Jesus was a real person. He walked the real roads and some of those, excuse me, are still available for you to walk on today some of the very same places. Uh, I've heard that they've excavated Pilate's Judgment Hall where Jesus stood. You have to go downstairs, and it's underground today because that part was destroyed and they built up on top of it, but you can actually go down a set of stairs under the ground and stand on the very pavement stones where Jesus stood after he had been beaten by the Roman guards And as Pilate went out and washed his hands and said, I have nothing to do with this man. Our Bible comes from Jerusalem. It's a Jewish book. Don't be afraid of that. There are a lot of people that teach since the Jews rejected Jesus that Jesus rejected the Jews. Uh, Not true, my friend. They're still God's chosen people. We are the wild olive branch, Romans chapters 9 through 11 that is grafted into the good tree. Now we, we better be gracious and, and praise the Lord that He's allowed us as Gentiles to partake of the gospel. And uh, that was prophesied. The next one, Jesus would be hated. Uh, in uh, verse, John chapter 15, verse 25, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fil- fulfilled that is written in their law, They hated Me without a cause. And we go down through the verse. We don't need to spend a lot of time expanding this one. If I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is my enemy. Does that not describe the work of Christ? Paul would put it this way. For a good man, preadventure some would die. I'm not quoting it right. Romans chapter 8. Let's turn there real quick here. For a good man, some would even dare to die. Let's let's get it right here. Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Get it right. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, you don't need to read very far into the gospel record before you can see the hatred by the religious leaders of Jesus' day toward Jesus, and we can go through and we can talk about why did they hate him so? It was because if he was right, they were wrong. You say, well, why couldn't they just allow him to be different? Hey. Look at it today. We have so much hatred in this world. Why? Because if one side's right, the other side's wrong. If we could we could take that to Congress. We could take it to Iraq. We can take it anywhere in this world. We can take it to the battles that are going on in our society over the issue of sodomite rights and all of those things that are going on hey we're not the ones that want to go kill people we want them to be saved we want them to believe the gospel but they would rather die than believe the gospel and so they accuse us of murder and that's not it at all we as Christians we're not allowed to hate anybody except the devil and sin, amen? And we don't. But we do stand by this book called the Bible and have the responsibility to say, you're wrong. And you see, people can't live with that. And it absolutely drives them insane. And that's that's what we're dealing with and that's what Jesus dealt with all these prophecies let not them that are mine enemies wrongly rejoice over me neither let them wink the eye that hate me without a cause they they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine hand they would des- they that would destroy me being my enemies wrongfully are mighty then I restored that which I took not away is that not what Jesus did he gave us what we didn't have. He offers a salvation to every person who ever lived if they only believe on Him. Jesus would teach in parables is the next prophecy. Matthew thirteen thirty-five that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Psalm 78, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Psalm 49, 4, I incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Isaiah 42, 9, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and the new things do I declare before they spring forth. I will tell you of them. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants and the prophets. You know, the world looks at this book called the Bible. And they just say, that's such a confusing book of contradictions. Some of you used to believe that before you got saved. Amen. Then you start opening it up and, wow, that thing makes so much sense. It explains everything. Uh, the difference is a relationship with God. we spent... Uh, several months going through the parables of Jesus Christ. And I just want to mention this very quickly before we move on. The most wonderful thing about the parables is they brought understanding to those who wanted it and absolute confusion and tied their brains up in knots who didn't want to understand the things of truth. It was a double-edged sword. It got both accomplished with one message. I love it. And that's the way Jesus taught. Now we're going to move into another section here, and we'll be able to move a little quickly here, more quickly. These are specific events. The first eight prophecies that we dealt with are basic generalities about the life of Jesus Christ. I mean, everywhere you go, you see Jesus teaching in parables. Everywhere you go, Jesus was hated. Everywhere you went, there were some who believed on Him and would follow Him. Uh, these are the prophecies that were laid out. Now these are time or event specific prophecies. God prophesied in the Old Testament that before Jesus came, he was going to send a prophet in the spirit and the power of Elijah that was John the Baptist. I like that name amen and uh, he was a He was not John the Baptizer, though that's what he did. His title is simply John the Baptist. And uh, we, we look here in, in several different passages. He, he talks uh, here, and you can read those. We need to move a little quickly here. And the prophecies are there. And these prophecies were fulfilled. John the Baptist lived 30 years, most of that in the wilderness, to fulfill a six-month ministry that was the length of his ministry from beginning to end he began to preach the kingdom of God is at hand he baptized people who inwardly were preparing their hearts for the coming of the Messiah the only difference between the baptism of John the Baptist and what we do here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is the focus When John was alive and baptized the disciples of Jesus Christ, they were looking for the coming Messiah. They were looking ahead. They did not understand the crucifixion and the resurrection and all of these things. They would because they had already believed in their heart and said, I'm turning from my works to believe in the Messiah. And as soon as John pointed him out, where did his disciples go? John, been nice knowing you. And they followed Jesus. Andrew, James, John were all disciples of John the Baptist. And in fact, there's evidence that every one of Jesus' disciples, though it isn't spelled out exactly and clearly, uh, the understanding is there that every one of those disciples had already been baptized by John. When they found Jesus because Jesus didn't go around baptizing. In fact, we don't see that happening again until after Pentecost as people joined the church and then the focus was back to the cross and the empty tomb. That's why we don't have crucifix here at our church is because Jesus was on the cross once and he'll never go back it's empty because it is finished amen the tomb is empty because he only needed it for 72 hours it is done it is finished and that's what the focus is Palm Sunday John chapter 12 I love this verse these things understood not his disciples at the first but when Jesus was glorified then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him do you, do you get the import of what John is writing here? He said, we really didn't even understand at the time these things were happening what was going on. But we were fulfilling prophecy. We were doing just what the Bible said. And Zechariah nine, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding upon an ass and upon the colt the full of an ass. And you read the account of, the, of Jesus' triumphal entry, we call it, into Jerusalem. I don't know why they call it that. Uh, they try to make out of this thing many things that it isn't. Daniel puts it the best of any. He gave the timing of the... Um, of the uh, of Jesus riding that donkey through the eastern gate of Jerusalem. He said in verse 25, if you look down there on your outline on the last page, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And... Uh, um, he went. Uh, a man named Sir Robert Anderson in the late 1800s, early 1900s, went through this and did all of the math. and And uh, the date that the uh, uh, Persian king gave the commandment to rebuild the rebuild the city walls is established in history. They have the document actually in the Persian records, and he went through there and and added it all up. The Jewish calendar is much different than than our Western calendar. It has uh, 12 months, but every month has the same number of days. And uh, and uh, you you go through that whole uh, calendar there, and what they do is God added a leap month every 50 years to keep the calendar straight. Uh, he knew about those things. We didn't start adding leap years, and our calendar so messed up, we don't know what it, it really means. But... Uh, Uh, He went through and translated that whole thing and did all the math and all that and found out that the very day was prophesied when Jesus would show Himself for who He was, the Prince of this world. But the next verse says, And after three and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for Himself. Jesus would be crucified. It doesn't give us the exact time period, but it would be uh, about uh, what four days after the triumphal entry, Jesus would be cut off, crucified. His betrayal was prophesied. Matthew twenty six twenty four: The Son of Man goeth as it is written unto him. But woe unto him, unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed! It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Zechariah says, And they said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter a goodly price, that I was praised of them, that, and I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now this prophecy was, Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. What was The price. 30 pieces of silver. When Judas cast those 30 pieces of silver, threw them back at the Pharisees in the temple compound, what did they do? Oh, we can't put this back in the treasury because it's the price of blood. How foolish these men were. But they were keeping to their traditions even in the betrayal of Jesus Christ. And they went out and they bought the potter's field. That's where the potter... When he, uh, when something was broken, a clay vessel, you can't repair it. You can't weld it back together after it's been in the kiln. And they would just throw all the rotten clay and all the hard lumps into this little field in the out of t- outside of town. It was a junkyard in, in our modern understanding. And they would take uh, that potter's field, and what did they do? They buried dead people in it that didn't have enough money to... Uh, to afford a regular funeral. That's what happened. It was all prophesied. You can't plan that stuff. Who's going to volunteer to be the betrayer? Anybody with a right mind? Of course not. The... uh, the next one is, is still a part of this I speak not of you all I know whom I have chosen but that the scripture might be fulfilled he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me David wrote yea mine own familiar friend in whom I'm trusted which I did eat of my bread hath lifted up his heel against me I mean David the people have spent a lot of time trying to figure out who David was talking about Maybe he was talking about Absalom. Maybe he was talking about Ahithophel. Maybe he was talking about all these different... I I just believe that David was talking about Judas Iscariot. I believe that God, through the Holy Spirit, put that prophecy in there so we could see it and understand that God had this whole thing planned out long before it happened. The disciples would forsake Jesus. Then saith Jesus unto them, All oh, ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And if you'll read on in Matthew, they said, No, we're willing to die for you, Jesus. And yet Peter followed afar off and denied the Lord three times. It was only John who followed Jesus all the way. The rest of them were hiding. And Zechariah 13 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. His trial and mocking were prophesied. And we'll cover more in Psalm 22 when we get to the crucifixion, but we just want to go through these first verse here. And, and uh, Mark chapter 9, it says, And he answered and told them, Elias or Elijah, talking about John the Baptist, verily cometh first and restoreth all things, and how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. You say, Well, where was that? I, I've heard many uh, rabbis over the years saying there's no passage in the scripture that says Messiah had to suffer. Oh, read Psalm 22. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laughed me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls, um, that's supposed to be of bashan, I don't know where that came from, have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. And uh, the simple truth of that is, They did all of these things to the Lord Jesus Christ as He was tried, as He was mocked. It was all prophesied. When we get to the crucifixion, Lord willing, next Thursday night, we'll be uh, showing you how that these scribes and Pharisees, full of their hatred, actually quoted Scripture as they mocked the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet their rage and their mind was so close to that that they could not see what they were doing themselves. It's amazing. Let me tell you, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what your ideas of life are, you're going to be obedient to the words of this book called the Bible. One way or another. You can bow the knee in this life. You can surrender yourself to the God of this book, to Jesus Christ, His Son, and worship Him His way in this life, or you will bow the knee in the next life just before you're separated from God forever you will keep the words of this book called the Bible. You don't have a choice. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me a little hope as I look around and see all the rotten things happening in our society and things people are doing. I'm just going to keep my focus on this book called the Bible. I'm going to be obedient to what I can be obedient to. Amen? And uh, I want to be obedient now. I don't want to do it under duress later. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the great prophecies that are in Your Word. and Lord, we ask that we would continue looking at these and studying these things and review because we've just literally scratched the surface as we've gone over the life of Christ in just two Thursday nights. Lord, we ask that You would burn into our hearts and our minds a love for this book called The Bible. But most of all, an understanding of how you want us to live for you. Lord, we pray that if there be anyone in our midst here that has not trusted you as their Savior, that does not have that relationship with you, that they would surrender themselves tonight. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The publican pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And yet you said he went to his home justified rather than the righteous man who has spent all of his time trying to tell you all the good things he did. Lord, we pray that for those who are Christians here tonight, that they would just simply want to live according to your word. That we would fulfill the good prophecies. That we would believe on that cornerstone, not stumble at it that we would be those that are drawn to Jesus Christ and believe on Him rather than those who are offended at Him. And Lord, that we would thank You for the great sacrifice that You have given for us so that we could go free. We ask You to work during this time of invitation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep our heads bowed for a moment and. If you need to come and pray, if you'd like to spend a little bit of time in an old-fashioned altar, we want to give you that opportunity. And uh, we'll just have Joya come and play a song for us on the piano. But if you want to step out and spend a little time in prayer, uh, just do that right now. The time is, is, uh, we won't be long tonight, but we want to give you that opportunity.